Well, and so, you know, at this point, like I'm part of an organization here in Baltimore, um, the Islamic Christian Jewish Studies. And, and we get together and have speaking series. We get together and do Bible study and we study each other's tradition, understanding that they do, you know, it's kind of that um, we are rooted from the same place. We're siblings that yeah. then got spread to different parts of the world and to come together with much more of an imagination, right? Yeah. So, so centuries later, what did your tradition given where you, you know, your ancestors lived, given where, you know, how did you take this same text and how did it get molded and shaped differently than my tradition did? And it's such beautiful, open conversation. And I'm sorry, anybody who's done this work, I've never, I've, well, let me put it this way. I've never met anybody who's done this kind of work that didn't walk away going, we have way more in common than different. Yes. Welcome to episode 124 of Pub Theology Live a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint of fine wine or perhaps a good cup of coffee. You can catch new episodes weekly as Shannon, Brian, and Ogan address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. And if you really love us and you love this show, or even just like us a little bit, you can show us some support on Patreon. Become a supporter, a patron, if you will. Uh, you can start at like two bucks a month just to show us some love and help us keep the show going and do more things. You can get some swag. You can have access to some extended interviews. Visit patreon.com slash to get started. And as always, a big warm-hearted thank you to our current supporters. We raise a glass. You can also join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram using the hashtag PTLive. Follow at Pub Theology on those platforms and check out video clips from the show on IGTV or watch us on YouTube for extra content. Well, today we'll be talking about what happened in New Zealand over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk Islamophobia, guns, fear, white supremacy, and what the role is of people of other faith traditions in supporting uh, Muslims around the world. So welcome, Shannon and Ogan, and fellow listeners. What are we What are we drinking today? Well, um, I, I think we should let our listeners know this is this is the rare early morning that we are recording this episode. We usually um, do do more of a happy hour time record, but you know. Brian, for some unknown reason, decided to prioritize something else in his life over us. I don't know what that was about. Um, I realized this morning, this might be the first dry episode that we're recording. We need right, to completely out. dry, yeah. Completely dry. Oh, oh no, my friend. I'm, oh, you have yeah. a little whiskey for your glass? Oh, 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 excuse us. A little Irish coffee? A little Irish coffee. Um, I am not a coffee drinker. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons, one of them including my cardiologist said, "Yeah, your your high blood pressure heart does not need the caffeine." 
Um, so I discovered this interesting thing called mud water. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. It is a slash coffee alternative. There's uh, masala chai, cacao, lion's mane, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, something called reishi, chaga. It's like a whole bunch of stuff in here. Mud water. And I have to say it is appropriately named when you taste it. <laughs> water. I've got to I've got to throw in a little agave, a little pat of butter, and now it's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's really good for your heart. <laughs> water is good for you. All right, all right, all right. And agave is a nice natural low glycemic sweetener. So yes. take that mud water in my uh, Darth Vader mug. You see this? Oh, see, I have a Star Wars mug too. I have so I have half of the set. Right, I have I have uh, Han Solo. Ooh, there's Han I, know, I know, you know. The other one is Leia saying, I love you, right? Ooh, that's cute. I'm going to get yeah. some Yeah. So this, this morning is... I got... Go ahead. I got to be Han. This is the expressions of Darth Vader. Angry, happy, sad, confused, cheerful, excited, and, you know, it's, it's just his mask. Perfect. <laughs> so I'm, I'm drinking a French roast organic fair trade blend today. Ooh, fancy. Well... It's my reg. It's my regular morning coffee. It's good. Yeah. It's nice. It's a dark roast. All right. Yum. Yum. And I uh, just brewed a pour over here in the shed. I've got an uncommon Browns Coffee Roasters anniversary blend, dark to medium roast with chocolate and fruity flavors and a small, or sorry, and a smooth bodied taste. A small nice. body taste. Small body. <laughs> It's early. Mm. It's early, but uh, yeah, you noticed I read exactly what was on the screen. <laughs> like, I thought it was exactly. not ready to like. There's no ad living. No ad living today. <laughs> and I'm gonna just add a taste of uh, cold cold stream distillery from uh, Nova Scotia. A little salted caramel. Mm, yummy. Wait, salted caramel. What? What is that? Liqueur. It's like a salted oh, oh, caramel liqueur. liqueur. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, so I was going to add a little something and then I have to drive my kid to the doctor. So, you know, whatever. Not a completely dry show. I'm going to read to some second graders after this show. So, so there you go. You put a little more of that in your glass. Yeah. <laughs> right. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I didn't uh, ask you in the pre-show what kind of opener you want here, but I'll start off with noting that today is the last day of winter. Tomorrow's yay. the first day of spring. Hooray. We're Ooh. almost there. But what makes it feel like spring to you? Um, what do you love about spring? When the when the overnight low, at least here in New England, is in the 40s, then then we're talking spring. So right now I mentioned uh, uh, in the in the pre-show before that the birds think it's spring. Their 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 internal mm -hmm. clock says it's spring. So now at like 6 a.m. they are outside my window in the tree chirping as loud as possible, waking me up. But the overnight low is still 27. Um, yeah. And the high is like low 40s. So for me, it's been a relatively mild winter here in New England. So yeah, it's not feeling any warmer. And it won't probably feel warm enough by my standards till June. So, you know, <laughs> such is right, life. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but the, the birds, actually, the, the birds singing. The birds singing for me too. Like that's the clear, hey, something's happening. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We thought you were going to say more. We're used to you being a little more. I, uh, Listen, we don't all, know. How many times have we talked about me not being a morning person on this show? <laughs> we don't and, know morning, Shannon. It's uh, our first time. It's great. Well, you know, we were actually talking about. It's great. Thanks, Brian. Like you know. 
It's great. She doesn't say anything. <laughs> Fantastic. So yesterday, Derek was like, you're doing a morning show. And I was like, yeah. They, he's like, they've never seen you in the morning. I was like, well, we were camping with, you know, Brian yeah. and Christine. Whatever. He's like, yeah, but every time you got up, Brian was gone. <laughs> I was like, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. Oh my goodness. That's funny. So I forgot to mention, I also have a little half and half in here and some organic uh, coconut oil. So this oh. is like. I, I also have half and half, organic half and half in there. Yeah, there we yeah. go. But I don't put sugar in my coffee. No, me neither. So, you know, so wait a minute. All right, Shannon. So no, you're giving sure. me a hard time about the butter and you're throwing half and half. Really? What is the difference? Mm, well, there's a difference. There is a difference. Butter tastes good. What are you talking about? I I've never done the butter and coffee thing either. or the coconut oil. My sister does coconut oil. Coconut oil is so, good. Yeah, she does that in her coffee. So, um, yeah, my brain does not function at a high level. Um, I kind of, you know, I just don't. 10 o'clock's like minimum. Yeah, so in about, a, in about 45 minutes, Shannon, I'll start. Yeah. Uh, I'll start yeah. talking right, right <laughs> when it's time to go. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the birds, the first signs of flowers, um, like things start to green. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, the sign, no matter, really, no matter what the weather is doing, like those are the signs that springs, I feel like spring is a beautiful time of like nature knows and is reminding me mm. like it's coming, it's coming, even though you may not feel it yet, like nature Nature is the indicator. How about yeah. for you, Brian? Well, I'm kind of with you, Ogan. We also had uh, low in the 20s, woke up and everything's frozen uh, and so forth. And similarly, maybe we'll get to 40 today. But I, I agree with you. Once we're not dipping under freezing anymore, you know, once it stays above freezing, even overnight, then it starts to feel like, okay, now, now we're moving in the right direction. Um, so... Our snow is all melted except for the occasional, uh, you know, pile from um, snow plowing. But the mounds. Yeah, there's a few mounds that are still melting. But other than that, snow is gone. So we're on our way to spring. We're on our way. Also, what feels like spring is I can turn on the radio in the afternoon, AM radio, and catch a Tigers spring training baseball game. And that, <laughs> that feels amazing to me. See, so yeah. we can talk, you and I can talk sports all fall, but come spring and summer, like, I'm out. I'm out. Also, March Madness starts off this week. Do you guys fill out a bracket? Nope. Do you not pay attention? Uh, no. I only used to pay attention when, you know, Louisville was good, and clearly that's not the case this well, year. But they're in the tournament. Well, right, but, like, anyway, whatever. But no, there's no expectations. No. Right. I'm still on my I'm still on my college sports boycott, you know. Yeah. There you go. There you not, go. Not 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 good enough. My over. my team is a number two seed, but we lost three times in a row to our rival Michigan State, so that just feels like complete heartbreak. But I'm hoping they can pull out another Final Four run. We'll see. Hashtag pay the athletes. Hashtag scholarship not paying the athletes. Yeah. Nope. Agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So I wish we had better, uh, more positive things to talk about. Uh, but as we all know, on Friday, uh, 50 or maybe 51 now, people were killed in attacks on two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, and it was a 28-year-old Australian who's expressed anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim sentiments uh, is the suspect, or maybe, con I don't know, I think the suspect is still the correct term there uh, prior to any conviction. Uh, but just 
incredibly tragic, right? That these people are in a place of worship, a literal sanctuary, and their lives are taken from them. Um, so there's multiple things going on here. There's xenophobia, uh, sort of racism, uh, you know, distrust of the other. There's also Islamophobia, misunderstanding and fear of Muslims, uh, as well as the whole gun um, situation and the proliferation of automatic weapons that these high-grade military weapons are available to, to people, uh, sometimes legally, other times through uh, black market channels. But what, what to you comes to the fore as you think about this incident in terms of these strands of religious intolerance, race uh, inequality, gun violence? What, what sticks out to you? What, what distresses you and what maybe gives you a little hope for a way forward? Um, so let me start with the gun things, and I do I do want to offer a, a just uh, keeping the fact straight correction as a you know yeah please is the from what I read the gunman used not a fully automatic a semi-automatic an AR-15 which we've heard all about in the news um, and what made it interesting I was hearing this morning there's he he's from Australia but um, there's a certain gun law loophole that says it's illegal to when you buy your gun buy um, high capacity magazines but mm -hmm. then you can separately buy high capacity magazines and that's how he was able to come one of the ways he was able to come in so fully armed because of these 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 weird gun law loopholes that are present in that country in australia it, in Australia, or it might have been New Zealand. I'm not sure exactly where he did okay. all the purchasing. Okay. Um, go I ahead, mean, well, I was just going to add, like, that's a lot like the gun laws passed in the 90s mm -hmm. under Clinton, right? Like, there were what, what looked like on the surface all these gun restrictions, but really all you had to do was buy a right. modifier and you get whatever was just, you could purchase the two legally. Right, you separately. Know, <laughs> separately, you put them together and you get the gun that was banned, right? Like, right. That's what happened here too. So anyway, yeah. I just want to add that in. Which, which, like, I mean, why else would you buy a high capacity magazine like to make wall art? I don't know why they didn't like that. That logic escapes me. But so, so, uh, so I just wanted to, uh, you know, for the for the for the detail oriented people out there, I you know wanted to. Uh, clear that up what what brings me hope i mean we've spoken ad nauseum about what we think about guns and the proliferation of, of guns and all that what gives me hope is the prime minister coming out the day of or the day after saying we need to, we need to change our laws and mm -hmm. the parliament basically um you know without anything being put on the table kind of basically said yes we agree we got to change laws um, and the, the fact that she, like, there was no soft pedal and she just came out and said it and, and the government said, yeah, let's take, let's take a look at this. We got to do something like that gave me hope, not just for that place, but, but for here we are in the United States that, you know, as we're coming up on another presidential, presidential election, hopefully, um, it will be not the current president reelected, but even if he is maybe after that, we, we, we have now an example of someone who comes out right after tragedy says, we have to do something at a legal level about this and have the support 
of the vast majority of the people there was this NPR this morning and like 90% of the people are in support of we got to tighten up these loopholes we we, we got to make it harder uh, for people to to get um, to have such access to to the weapons and the ammunition and all that kind of stuff and they already have a pretty um, pretty different situation when it comes to guns in New Zealand. I was listening to one uh, woman talk who's from Christchurch and she was just saying, we're just not used to seeing guns around in society. Like they're just, I think they have pretty strict gun laws already, but it's those loopholes we spoke of that um, allow some to sort of bypass it. But, but in general, she said, you don't see guns. You don't think about guns, even, you know, maybe you'll see a police officer armed, but even that's not always a, a for sure thing. There is a big hunting culture there. Um, I did listen to someone who talked about right. there's a guy who, you know, he owns 12 guns. He's, he's, he's a hunter. Um, and, and so, so there is that culture there. There's, there's a right. lot of people who do own guns, but to your point, yes, it's more, you know, specific, maybe sport recreation use as opposed to just having them to having them. And, right. and, you know, even he was like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta tighten up this, this stuff. It's kind of, kind of ridiculous. And he said, if the government were to call, he says, I know it's not fair that this guy did this. And now we who are responsible gun owners, you know, uh, this is going to affect us. He says, but if the government calls for it, you know, we going to, we going to turn them in. Like there's yeah. no, you know, there's a philosophical opposition, but no one's saying well, you got to come private, private guns right. from hands. And it's been 20 years, I think, since their last mass shooting, 20 years. Yeah. Has it been 20 days in the U.S.? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. No, there was no, there was one not too long ago. Um, and, and the other, I mean, this is actually the more common response around the world, right? When there is a mass shooting in other countries in the world, this is the response. Yeah. That right. this cannot happen again. And yes. here are the steps we're going to take. Now, you know, it's, it's like with anything we sit around now and say, how could there be these loopholes and how could they have left that, you know, but when you're making a, I mean, I do this all the time at work, like you're, you're writing a policy or something and there's just situations that come up that you can't imagine. And so when those situations happen, you have to go back and rewrite the policy or rewrite the law because you, you just can't think of every loophole, right? And maybe some can sit around and say, well, this one's obvious, but it just wasn't, right? It just wasn't at the time. And so now they're going to go back and correct it. And I, I just think that shows tremendous leadership. I think that shows not just compassion, but like genuine care for all of humanity um, and not just people who agree with you, or right? So a man who, you know, I... I have a, a friend who owns semi-automatic weapons because he thinks they're fun to shoot. This appalls me, like in all honesty. And my issue is, okay, so you think it's fun for recreation, but if we were to ban it for people's safety, right? You, your people's safety is more important than your fun. Than your fun, yes. Absolutely, exactly. right? Not like, a question. Unless, unless it comes to roller coasters. Like make those as dangerous as possible. Wow. No. no. So, you know, I mean, I think that's the right, like that's the love of neighbor part that we need to get to. Yes. Right. That we don't, we don't quite grasp. Like we have, we, we double down on such a 
my choice, my prerogative, my, you know, they're my guns. I, as long as I'm responsible with them, you shouldn't be able to take them away. Right. Right. And my issue is, you know, where's the love of neighbor in that? Like, uh, Marilyn just passed a um, very long and extensive um, uh, words today. What's the thing? Background check, right? Mm -hmm. A very long and extensive background check before you have to buy a gun. And there were people in the gallery chanting, like, we will not comply. And I'm sitting there going, if you're a responsible gun over owner, what's the big deal? Right. right? What's wrong with background? Oh what's wrong with a background check, right? Supported, when you poll, supported by anywhere from 87 to 90% of people in this country. It's exactly. not a big deal. That's right. Now, granted, there are like three people in the gallery chanting, we will not comply. <laughs> and it gets reported as news that there are right. people chanting, exactly. we will not comply. Right. But, but nonetheless, there it is. And, and I'm just sitting there going, you know, if, 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 right? If you are all these things, if you understand love of neighbor, then you will give up your fun. Then learn to take up bow and arrow. Like, that's really fun. Like, yeah. you know, have, have. Yeah, and requires some actual talent. <laughs> right. And where, like, your entertainment is not as important as people's lives. Shooting a gun is the laziest thing, in my opinion. It's like. It's just uh, all this power and you, you know, you aim, you can aim well. Well, good for you. Like a bow and arrow, there's at least skill and artistry and all of that. And I, I always I say I, hunting is not a sport unless the deer or animals are also armed. <laughs> they got no, those, they got cool. those antlers. They got the antlers, you know, I just, I mean, again, we've spoken at nauseum about this, like, I think we should melt them all so, down and make art out of them. But you know, exactly. that's just. So here's, here's the thing I saw. Someone posted a, a meme that said, once again, uh, a crowd of defenseless people are, are gunned down. When are we going to realize that it's the defenseless? That's the problem. Wait, what? Oh, because they want, if everyone was uh, armed, um, then none of this would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of why do we leave everybody defenseless by, you know, it's the it's the it's the good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun fallacy, which it's isn't the, true. Right, right, right. It's it's good guy with a gun versus bad guy with a gun means even more people are hurt. Right, more more bullets flying. That's right. that's that's all that's yeah. all that means. It's it's the NRA mantra of more guns equals safer, which is blatantly right. false to anyone with. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and and what what really came out of this story for me also was um, when he, when the, the attacker, the shooter, when he spoke about being inspired, which is really the wrong word to use um, by, by shootings here and spoke right. of the president as, as I believe I'm, I misquote and paraphrasing along the lines of, of, of a beacon for white nationalism um, something along those lines. Um, what came up for me is to remind people that words words matter. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, I was really disgusted by the White House's response of saying, "Of course, the president did not instigate this shooting." Well, no, literally, of course he did not. You know, that's not the point. The point is his rhetoric 
fueled right. this all this already simmering you know uh, uh, cauldron of Islamophobia and xenophobia, yep. and and he he's really the the first um, not the first you know country or state leader, but the but the first of this level of visibility. United States, arguably, you know the quote unquote leader of the free world. Um, he's the first one to come out with the sentiments, given people permission. And yes, he'll say these words. And yes, people will say stuff in, in their bars and in their weird clubs out in the woods and all that kind of stuff. But there's then going to be the one or two who take it to heart and say, I need to do something about this. And go shoot up the mosque. We had the we had the guy in the van in Florida who was making bombs that he mailed off to, you know, uh, Democratic politicians. Um, right. There's always going to be those people who are unable to realize when they've crossed the line in terms of actions because clearly they're not okay in the head. Um, so so words matter, and and I don't think our president either gets it or intentionally is continuing to stoke the flame. Here's the interesting thing though, is that in many ways it's backfiring because he's stoking a, he's trying to stoke a fire of Islamophobia, but the Muslims aren't committing the crimes, aren't right? Committing. right. It's right. the white nationalists. Yes. And 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 I, I think they're really doing a piss poor job of acknowledging that the two might be related. Well and my, I mean, the other, if you, if you want to argue with this, right, like that the president doesn't have control of what individuals do and it's not his fault. And like, how many crimes were committed in the name of Obama, right? How many crimes, right. like how many mass shootings did somebody come out and then say, thank you, Mr. President, you yes. know, right. for, for showing, you know, for, for giving me the permission to do or this. Or even George W. Bush, people right. didn't do it right. under him either. Exactly. Like, look, I mean, look at the past. There are presidents that evoked this kind of violence, but look at, look at that kind of thing. And, and this doesn't happen with everybody. And again, the number, the sheer number of people that we have had um, in the last several years. And, and again, not you, you're, you know, if you want to come back and say, but mass shootings happen like tons of mass shootings happened over under Obama's um, time in office. That doesn't mean they evoked his name as the reason they were doing it. And right? also there's a difference between mass shootings, sort of like uh, the Las Vegas shooting, which is kind of into a crowd of random people gathered versus a very targeted attack on one yeah. religious um, and ethnic group. What, well, you know, we, I don't want to skip over that question you asked, you know, like what brings me hope, not just out of this situation, but, you know, I, I think back to the Arab Spring in Egypt, right? And I think back to those beautiful images of um, Muslim people encircling Christians as they pray to keep them yeah. safe, right? And then the same thing happens, that, that the Christians create a barrier, um, and, and it's been, there's a been resurgence on my Facebook wall, at least on like how to be a good ally against Islamophobia and xenophobia on, you know, public transit and, you know, out in public. And, and yeah, one of the ways to do that is to put your body 
in between, you know, two yep. people. Um, because, you know, right. Even if my sheer presence can keep them safer, um, yep. and sitting next to them and, you know, all of that, like, I just, I, I do find hope in the, the inner religiousness that we can, we can foster because of this. Not that that, you know, there's no good of this, right? Like, it's just, right. you know, yeah, you so know a what I'm trying to say. A friend to, uh, uh, to, to go back to the to the Obama question you, you raised about the time of Obama, um, a lot of tan suits were worn in Obama's name, and let's just admit that's a fashion crime. <laughs> I like tan suits. Just Are putting that up that? there. You remember, people lost their minds when that happened. Yes. Um, Fox News lost its mind because it didn't have anything else to report. <laughs> exactly. Nobody else gave a crap. <laughs> well, so I just want to continue. Uh, Shannon's thought about support of Muslims by Christians and people of other faiths. Uh, a friend yesterday who's a local Presbyterian minister shared that um, someone at their recent uh, synod gathering who's a Presbyterian minister and is actually a Egyptian Coptic Christian uh, in background, he said, if we as Christians can't say we love our Muslim neighbors, we have no business calling ourselves Christians. Yeah. And that might like... I totally agree with that, right? But but I can think of Christians who might not sign on to that and might see yeah. Islam as a threat and might see Muslims as targets for conversion rather than right. um, fellow religious seekers who we can get to know, learn from, and in points like this, stand in defense of and protect. Um, but so I guess I'm wondering, what is the role of people of other faiths in combating Islamophobia or when a particular religious group is targeted. I think Shannon, I think Shannon needled it on the head earlier. You be a presence, you be a visible vocal presence of support. Um, you, you know, you, you, you go to these places, you let these people know, you know, th that person who committed this atrocity, he does not speak for the rest of us. Right. Um, and, and, and you, and you be a presence. My question is, is this tied to, to in some strains of Christianity, this idea that Christianity is the only right way, everything else is, you know, the false God, everything else yes. is something else. And when did, when did that happen? When, it is tied to that, that for start? sure. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, listen, so we're actually following Paul's letter of the Philippians through through Lent and yesterday's sermon, which was, you know, picked a long time ago was on evangelism. Oh dear. Right. But, but my whole sermon, even before this happened was on, you know, evangelism doesn't look like converting heathens, right? That's, that is not our model of evangelism. Hmm. Evangel like our model of evangelism is to, to embody Christ in every way possible. Yeah. And for Christians that say my job is to embody Christ and therefore to convert he you know seeing a a person of their faith of whether it's you know a person of Jewish faith whether it's a person of Islamic faith whether it's a Buddhist you know my job is to convert you to the quote unquote right way I you know I talked about the universalism of God right and that doesn't take away from my faith 
I confess a faith that says right. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean that I believe that you are going, you know, again, this is that heaven or hell model. Um, it's a, it's rooted in a belief that God is bigger than my right. faith than and my understanding in yeah. any one tradition. Like if I believe that God finds us where we are, then I have to believe that God found those people where they were in their tradition, in their understanding, in their faith, right? right. I, can't, I can't see my neighbor as, as heathen. Yeah, and, and Ogan asked when it started, you know, which I think is a really good and interesting question. And I think there was sort of a, a confluence early on in Christianity when Christianity and sort of empire kind of merged together where there was just this our way or the highway and we maybe prior we're going to convert you to Greek or Roman culture and, and local associated religions. Now that Christianity, you know, in the third century gets tied in with the with the religion of the empire, it's kind of like we're going to not only conquer your lands, but convert you to our religion. And I think we saw that with uh, the new world and some of the um, the doctrine of discovery uh, from the Catholic church coming over with, you know, Columbus and others who came, they had um, church approval, not only to subdue uh, any natives to take land, but also to convert sort of at, at force. Because but well, it's ironically, right? Sunday we we quote unquote celebrate St. Patrick, who did that to Ireland. Right. <laughs> right. I mean who you know right, but converted the, the heathens of Ireland. Get these um, mother effing snakes off my mother effing country. <laughs> right. Exactly. But but I, I no, I think it starts with Paul. And that's yeah. why I bring that up. I think it starts with Paul because Paul Paul roots himself in a belief that Christ is coming back any day. Yeah. Right. Any day. Yep. And there is this urgency to um, convert so that, so that goodness can happen. Right. I don't think it was malice. I, I just think that the urgency we've taken on Paul's urge. Well, we, you know, right. As, Christianity, but um, myself, the you know whatever we've taken on that urgency to get everybody right with God, quote unquote, and and I think it's a huge mistake. You say you say no malice from Paul. I think Paul was an anxious and bitter man, and I say that you know that urgency slash anxiety about about you know Jesus's return. So so let's get the show on the road. But if you um, you know if you read some. Um, Christian history texts, they, you know, there's, there's this idea that Paul had his conversion experience. He shows up to the early church and says, I experienced Christ. I got the inside tracks. I'm here to tell you and lead you. And they were like, dude, who are you? Like, yeah. you, you were, you were chasing us down and killing us. You well, can't just roll in here and decide you're going to be in charge. No, thanks. And he walked off in a huff. I no, I think, I think that, there was harm. I do. I think there was harm done by Paul. Mm -hmm. um, I also, but I, I do think that it was out of a belief that what he was doing was right. Of course. And, and but I, th so when I say no malice, like, I don't think his intention, 
I don't think his intention was that these letters were ever going to be published oh, and that we not. were going to follow them to a T, right? Yeah, That's what I mean by no malice. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, for and, sure. And the people that he's speaking to are the minority and are the ones being hated against, right? Yes, totally different context. Totally different context. So to use his words for empire, for a majority, for um, people who are not being persecuted. Right. Like we're, we're just doing it all wrong. Yeah. And interesting, right? sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. Oh, here. So, so the interesting thing you said, Brian, about when Christianity became the, the official religion of the empire before that, when the Romans occupied your, you know, came and occupied your land, you know, basically there are two rules where, you know, pay your taxes, don't start an insurrection, but you can keep on doing what you do. You can keep on. That's true. Your... There, there was some uh, tolerance of local religions. Yeah. Yeah. And that apparently ended when Christianity rolled in. So <laughs> right. Go, go that's, figure. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, don't just blame Rome, right? Christianity brought its own something. It, it, uh, it, it kind of did. And to Shannon's point, I think it's about, how they interpreted Paul's write-ins about, you know, we, we, we got to go convert. Yeah. I just, I, I struggle with like in order to embody Christ that I, I just, the moments in Jesus's story, at least as we have it, that he showed malice towards another, he has also changed like, right. Like, um, when he, he calls the woman and her child a dog. And then she says, Hey, listen, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't get to talk to me that way. And he goes, you know what? You're absolutely right. My bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. just, like yeah. he, he, he gets his worldview broadened even through his journey. And, and I think that those stories are just so important to us to open our eyes in this way to not be afraid of the other, but to, to understand that we are different, to embrace our differences. And again, we've, we've lost some of the nuance in, um, you know, one of the, pri the prized, you know, Good Samaritan story. Um, we don't understand that the Samaritan is the other here. Yeah. Yep. Right? We, we've lost the beauty of these stories um, through manifest destiny, right? Through this conversion lens, through this get right with God before you go to hell lens or before Jesus comes again. Um, and we've let, we've let those stories take over our, our religions and they're, it's not fair. And so that's a good, a good um, possible reframing of a story in the Christian tradition is that Good Samaritan story, but retelling it where the Muslim is the one who shows mercy and has compassion, not the, and the Christians are the ones who pass by on the other side and don't. And we actually have real life examples of that where Muslims yeah. do do incredible works of, of charity and service and, and goodness that Christians say they embody, but struggle to practice I mean, we're all human, so I get that. But but we need to share those positive stories and personal relationships we have with Muslims to counter the false narrative that continues to persist. And the and the subtlety about the, the the subtle nuance about the Good Samaritan that that isn't explicitly stated in the story, but we but we we know if we know our Bible, Samaritans and the Jews were related. We we right. they. they right they made the Jews made the Samaritans 
their distant cousins, the other, they, they excluded family. Same thing with Christians and Muslims. We share a common ancestry and, and, and heritage. We've, we've made, we've made those who are actually related to us, the other and the enemy. Um, and it's, it's kind of baffling. <laughs> well, and so, you know, at this point, like I'm part of an organization here in Baltimore, um, the Islamic Christian Jewish studies. And, and we get together and have speaking series. We get together and do Bible study and we study each other's tradition, understanding that they do, you know, it's kind of that um, we are rooted from the same place. We're siblings that yeah. then got spread to different parts of the world and to come together with much more of an imagination, right? Yeah. So, so centuries later, what did your tradition, given where you, you know, your ancestors lived, given where, you know, how did you take this same text and how did it get molded and shaped differently than my tradition did? And it's such beautiful, open conversation. And I'm sorry, anybody who's done this work, I've never, I, well, let me put it this way. I've never met anybody who's done this kind of work that didn't walk away going, we have way more in common than different. Yes, yes. And, and, and I, it, it blows my mind when people will, be, you know, the, the, the Islamophobic will pull selected passages out of the Quran that talk about violence towards those who don't believe. And I'm like, did you miss those <laughs> passages you in the Old Testament? <laughs> Have you read the Bible? Because we're going to send the women and the children out into the desert to die by the three hundred thousands. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna keep the sun in the sky a couple more hours so we can get some more slaughter in. Like uh, anyway, uh, yeah, but I and I, I one of the most beautiful moments of my life, really, and I will never forget this. I was on a silent retreat with a group of women of all different religions. And um, the woman that um, was Muslim, to watch her, we were, we were all, you know, in this space together, to watch her pray at the times of the day, mm -hmm. it, it was the most beautiful thing. And I, I remember even like the pang of jealousy. Yes. And I started after that, I actually started praying the hours for a while because it was so beautiful to watch her yeah. stop, even during a silent retreat, right? And, and pray these, the same prayer, you know, like these, these set prayers. And, you know, afterwards I told her, I said like that, that was, it, it was just beautiful. And it brought me into prayer, right? It brought me into that place. And I just, we have to get out of our own bubble. Worlds. Yeah. Our, like, right. Like, um, it's just, there's so much beauty out there. There is. And, you know, we've talked about how, um, you know, Christians don't have um, the advantage. Uh, maybe that's the wrong thing to say. But when it comes to the scriptures, right, that we can't just say, oh, look at the Quran, because we also have to say, look at the Bible. And there are troubling texts in each. But also, if we look at the actual instances of um, of these mass shootings, uh, it just so often tends to be white Christians who yeah. are, or of Christian background at least, who are doing these mass shootings and these killings. It's like, why isn't, why isn't that same fear and misunderstanding exist around Christianity instead of Islam? Well, and it does. Let's stop, like, at least it does for imperial 
Christianity. See, see what you mean by that? So, I mean, America is demonized in parts of the world for good, in my opinion, for good reason, right? That's fair we, enough. Yeah. We ship guns across the world, hand them out to people, and then walk away, like, and then watch them as they tear each other apart. Or we invade ourselves. Or we invade ourselves, right? Like, and, and I just, I, I, you know, Christian, there are parts of the world, right? Um, Bethlehem's one of them where Christians are, there, there genuinely are parts of the world where Christians are persecuted. America is not one of those places. Not even close. Like, right. Like I just, I, so, I mean, yes, I just, it's hard for me to even talk about that because of the way, but I, it needs to be acknowledged that there are genuinely people out there fearing for their lives and hiding this religion. I, I, um, I needed you to, I needed you to expound because when you said Imperial Christianity, of course, Star Wars came to mind and I knew I was heading in the wrong direction. Oh, you were, you, you kind of, <laughs> you, you took a look at Darth Vader and you were like. <laughs> Imperial with an E, right? Like <laughs> right. Exactly. Imperial with an E. No, it's Imperial with um, an E. <laughs> I just needed a clar- clarification. Oh goodness! Wow. Yes, imperial with an eye. <laughs> anyway, um, I just I need to. Yeah, I, I, it's important to say, right? This is there, how my morning brain works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. No, it is important to say, and you talked about <laughs> certainly persecution is one thing, but also places in the world, as you said, that view Christianity and Christians not as peace loving, but as potentially a threat to their own lives and livelihood. And, right. and, and that's a good point. I'm talking from my sort of Western culture right. within Christian majority culture. We tend to view Islam as problematic and a p- potential threat. And I'm putting we in quotes here because I don't subscribe to that myself, but that's in the air. But around the world, people are looking at Western Christianity as a threat of uh, globalism, of not caring about the climate, of invading, right. providing weapons, et cetera, et cetera. Et so- statistically right on sunday morning as i'm getting ready for worship and visitor if i'm lucky visitors come through the door yeah right statistically i i and everybody in that room should be more afraid and more weary of a white male than anybody else yes that's exactly right good point and that is that is what we're talking about right that is the difference that's the mindset that we in America don't have that, you know, so years and years ago, um, when I, when ministry first started for me, I, um, there was a shooting in Kansas city at, I believe it was a Presbyterian church or maybe a Lutheran church of a, a doctor who, um, he happened to, um, be a doctor who part of his work was to, um, help women terminate pregnancies. Right. And I don't know if you all remember remember this. this. And a man walked in in the middle of the service and shot him in the head. Yes. Oh my. In front of everybody, right? I remember this. And I remember that because I just remember feeling, I I think I was in the first year of my ministry or the second year of my ministry, feeling so exposed. Yep. Feeling so like anybody can walk into this place at any time and do anything they want. And um, shortly after that, a couple years later, there was the shooting in the movie theater, right? Yes. And during the Batman and movie and, and nobody really knew what was going on because they didn't know if it was the movie. They didn't know if it's real, you know, that kind of thing. And I just, I, I, I went through this psychological shift of like, no place is safe, right? 
And then of course the school shootings picked back up and I was like, wow, no. And, and after, you know, um, after the uh, Newtown shooting, I was just like, I, I can't handle right. Like my brain couldn't handle this anymore. But the, the reality for me is I had to decide at least in worship on Sunday morning. Um, and after Charleston, I, I thought, okay, I wonder if we could bring, if we could bring those people back for a minute and just ask them, if you knew what was about to happen, according to your faith, would you still have welcomed this person into your Bible study? Oh, wow. Mm. Mm. And I had to ask myself that question for (laughs) visitors, right? Like if this is my faith, they're, they're, like, if we are a place that welcomes everyone, I have to be willing to take that risk. Eey. Or and you can do like some churches do and have armed guards. And have armed guards. And now there, there is a synagogue in D.C. that has an armed guard outside, and I 100% support that. That's what they need to feel safe. Yeah. 100% I support. If, 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 but we are not, and, and um, after the Baltimore um, uprising, we had an African-American Presbyterian church in our presbytery that had a concealed arm guard because they were getting bomb threats and death threats. Yeah. yeah. In certain situations, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. So as much as I'm anti-gun and anti-whatever, like, listen, but, but my church is not a persecuted church. My church is not, you know, and and we do not need to make that decision. I just had to get to that place as a pastor that I couldn't be afraid of the door every time it opened. Right. Right. And I had to sit there and say, um, and thankfully no violence has been committed towards my church or in my worship services. But And it doesn't mean you don't create a plan of action. Like we exactly we create we we have a plan, like or or last line of defense is some good high pressure cans of pepper spray. But we have we have a plan of action for if there is a disturbance. What do we do? Wow. Yeah, you're ahead of ahead of me. And and we create we create the plan, you know, an, affirming in faith that we don't ever have to use it. Right. <laughs> you know, as 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 you know, there's that old there's that Muslim saying, you know, trust Allah and tie your camel. <laughs> right. Well, right. It, right, and that doesn't mean we're doing it to create fear. Right. Exactly. We're not. We're like after after the Newtown shooting, our preschool said we need a way to do this. Our doors need to be able to lock from the inside. Our blah blah right? right. Like we need a plan, and there's there's things that you can stick under the door. The chances of those happening in our building are very slim. And again, much like what we're going back to with the policies and the laws of the you can buy these two guns separately, put them together. We learn. We need to learn. If we don't learn, then we're being ridiculous. Yeah. Right. That doesn't mean I learn to, like, I take my fear. Where fear takes over is when I said, well, we're, we're no longer going to accept um, people to our Bibles. We're no longer welcome to all. Right. And fear yeah. is the antithesis of love. Love is God. Fear is not God. Right. Yeah. So, so and really and be I, aware of when fear is the motivation as opposed to common sense safety. But I guess, I guess yeah. I'm thinking about some of these uh, like rural white mega churches where it's not concealed armed guard. It's visibly carrying weapons almost in a like we dare you, you know, we're armed. And it's sort of that gun culture, right, that nobody's going to take our guns away and don't come in here 
we've got armed, visibly armed people. Like it just feels like, no, it's probably someone from your congregation who's going to go over elsewhere and cause the problem. Right. Probably. And, and we, we also have to accept the cultural nuances, even just in this country. For example, um, the, the, a friend of mine who's another unity minister, her church is in Texas. It's an open carry state. The, 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 the biggest issue they had in their church not too long ago was convincing people to leave their guns in the foyer when they came in, not bring them in the sanctuary. But it wasn't a question of don't bring your guns to church, just where you leave them. Just don't get, bring them in the sanctuary. <laughs> right. And and but that's 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 there. That's in Texas. That's I yeah. wonder how those people would feel about taking if they wore their hat in the sanctuary. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> leave the gun, take the you know, Come in strapped, but how dare you wear your hat? It's the house yeah. of the Lord. <laughs> I just I, I yeah, I would hope and I, I you know, we do the work. And, and this is what I, when we go back to, when I say people that have done the work, I'm not just talking about people who've had a conversation. I'm talking about people who have done the work right. to understand, right? Yep. Um, who understand the more in common than apart. Because yep. at the end of the day, we want our families to be safe and we want joy in our lives. And we want to, the freedom to, practice our religions without persecution. Indeed. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the five pillars of Islam are faith, prayer, charity, fasting, and pilgrimage, which are, you know, pretty solid five pillars uh, for a faith tradition. Uh, any, any comments about that or how would you sort of claim a, a five pillars or how does that translate to, to your own faith practice? Um, so Shannon, I know you need to run. You want to weigh in real quick before you go, or yeah, I um, I don't think they're much different, right? I mean, it's, I I don't um, pilgrimage is one that is different for us, but it's not outside of the realm of Christianity, right? Right. right. Um, and I mean, I've been to the Holy Land, you know. I I, but yep. Again, this this to me is. Um, we're, we're saying the same thing in different ways. And sometimes we're saying the same thing in the same way, yeah. you know? And yep. so whether or not I wear a uh, hijab on my head or not, you know, um, and I, I do believe, you know, I do believe we serve the same God. I really do. Um, yep. and that, that it is my, uh, um, joy to learn these pillars, you know, alongside them and, but to not overtake them from them. You know, I think that's, that's part of it is to not, um, to let them have their religion, to understand it, to respect it. And, and to also, you know, have mine and my own joy. Um, and I think that's what people lose in your universal, like in the idea of universalism, they're like, well, you're, you're, I, I don't know. You're, you're taking that in, you're converting yourself to whatever. And I'm like, that's not, right. that's not how this works. Right. Mm, I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing more in common. Um, and again, you know, fasting also, they fast differently than we do, but in Christianity, we certainly have fasting yep. in different ways. Lent is literally the season of fasting, whether yeah, it's yeah. food, whether it's prayer, whether it's, you know, whatever. So um, anyway, sorry about that guys. My kid is sick and we're off to the doctor. So, all right. Thanks we'll for care. everything. See you next week. See you, see you see next week. Um, in, in Unity, um, 
pillar. I don't, I don't know. I can delineate pillars. I know unity has, has its five like main basic teachings, um, which, which I think we can equate to, you know, the pillars of our faith. Um, and, and I, and I sum them up by saying God is, I am, I pray, I created, I live it. God, God is, God is the only presence that there is. I am, um, I, I am the embodiment of the divine. Hmm. Um, God is in me. I am in God. Um, uh, prayer is, is how I access that divinity within me. And our prayer and unity is, is affirmative, as in it's statements of reminder of our divine um, heritage, if you will, not about supplicating to God. So God is, I am, I pray, I create it. I, through the power of my beliefs and my thoughts, I create the experiences on, on how I want to experience life. And the fifth, the fifth principle is it's not, it's not just good enough to know these other principles. We actually have to live them. Yeah. You know, and, and how, so how do we, and this, I think this is the trickiest one for, for us in unity. When we say I am the embodiment of the divine, how, how do I live that? And then how do I allow other people to live that without judging them? <laughs> right. So, so that's the closest I, I would say we have in terms of pillars of, of faith or five basic principles. Nice. Nice. What about, what about UCC? Well, uh, I mean, I would say similar to Shannon, there's many of the same principles, uh, in, in, in my own understanding of, of faith as a progressive Christian, but they might be translated just a little bit differently. Like charity, I might expand to, um, you know, sort of justice, um, justice and, and mercy, um, you know, loving neighbor as self, uh, loving even our enemies, uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And prayer sort of developing the inner life, uh, developing a sort of mindfulness, a consciousness of the presence of the divine in each moment, as you highlighted. Um, and, and a faith, uh, that is grounded in the, in that, divine presence in God and seeing Jesus as sort of this uh, sort of chief embodiment uh, of the divine uh, who we, who inspires us and, um, and informs our living as Christians and so on. And then, you know, fasting and pilgrimage, I feel like get less play in Christianity, but they're certainly present. I've been on a couple of different pilgrimages, um, both uh, to uh, Iona in Scotland and to uh, Israel and Turkey, where a lot of uh, early church stuff took place, uh, biblical stuff took place, and so on. So those things are present um, as well. Would, would, but yeah. Would it be too much of a stretch to call that recent unity cruise I was on a pilgrimage? <laughs> there you go. I mean, you, go. you know, I'm just, just, just wandering. Hey, now you can. I, I want to claim privilege, uh, pilgrimage, but I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> Name it and claim it, you know. Uh, you know, but we did, we did really, there was a group of us actually, so you know, when you, when you do cruises and you stop at different ports of call, there are all these like, you know, touristy recreational things you do. When we went to Puerto Rico, they actually arranged a service trip for us to go help this little town called La Perla. It's this little strip of a town right outside the, the city, the old city walls that's um, fairly poor. And they're still rebuilding and recovering from, mm. from, was it Maria? Hurricane Maria? Was it Maria? It was Maria. That might be right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. 
Um, so we so we went and spent a day there just doing service work with them to the point at the, at the end we you know we gathered in a circle we blessed the the folks who 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 were living there that supervised us as we were working and and they were in tears mm. um, and it was it was a, it was a beautiful um, given given back and you know from that from that sense of you know the, the divine is us when we show up and serve in that way we're making God visible um, you know that that place was was in that moment I think become holy ground and yeah. it was it was so so I'm gonna call it a pilgrimage yeah do it in that moment because we went we went to where god was we brought god god was there and and some some fabulous work and connections um were made so very good very good i was even wondering if you could think of uh for my family wild goose as sort of an annual pilgrimage where we sort of make this trek to north carolina out in the boonies and and we meet with other people of faith and we try to have some sacred time together uh you know it's not quite pilgrimage in the in the classic in the traditional sense, sense of the word as in you're going to some established holy site but right. you know hey we can we what, can broaden what, not only broaden but what makes a site or a place holy it, well it's, it's yeah that by, by our ascribing the term to it so you're right yep. you know, wild goose has become this this site of pilgrimage for people from all over the country and, and the world to, yeah. to come together, fellowship together, sing, pray together, you know, a little too Jesus-y for my taste, but that's, that's a, that's a, yeah. that's a whole different story. Neither here nor there. <laughs> right. Neither <laughs> here nor there. So everybody doesn't have to pilgrimage to the same place. Every right. place doesn't have to be considered holy to everyone else. We got, en- we got enough sites to go around. For sure. And one, one small uh, correction, uh, Shannon mentioned wearing a hijab, but I think she meant to say hijab. Uh, just for right, any- well, you, you correct her if you want. I'm not. not Wait until she left. I'm, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed that. Way to be brave, Brian. Way to be brave. <laughs> oh well. <sighs> Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. We'd love you to connect with us and spread the word on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, share a, uh, a question or share an episode with your friends. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. We'd love you to rate us on iTunes. That helps other folks find our show. And of course, you can watch us on YouTube or IGTV. And if you'd like to find a pub theology gathering in person at a local pub or brewery, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see one near you, you can find some resources to help you start your own. And don't forget to show your support for our podcast, for our show, by becoming a sponsor on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Cool beans. Yeah. 
There we go. A whole different feel doing it in the morning. <laughs> we did. We 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 got it done, and now your afternoon is a little more open. Uh, now I'm going to be at work in the afternoon. <laughs> nothing open about it. <laughs> nothing open there. Well, thanks for being flexible. It's, uh, it's I just blanked. I knew I had this coming for a couple of weeks, and suddenly yesterday I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gone all afternoon. Yeah, you know, I struggle with that too as well. When there are different things in different categories, yes, make making them link up like this. Just listen, if you know how a couple what was it Facebook went down a little bit ago, yes. and everybody lost their minds, and then right before that, uh, Gmail went down. If Google Calendar ever stops working, yeah, well, oh yeah, my life is over. <laughs> Forget it. Me too. All right, I gotta run now, and likewise, talk to you later. Nice to see you. Be well. Bye. All right, bye.